Welcome, everyone. Today on The Joseph Carlson Show, we have a lot of news. Walmart's earnings came in and they were very underwhelming. That's what the headlines say. Shares today are just getting crushed. They're down 9.63%. So investors were really disappointed by these earnings. So I want to dive in deeper to this Walmart earnings report. And I actually went ahead and annotated a lot of, I think, the most important things to look at. Walmart does have some weaknesses right now that I think need to be factored in. Now we have Home Depot doing something a bit different. They beat their earnings per share estimates and they beat their revenue estimates. And likewise with Home Depot, I went ahead and annotated their earnings report as well. And then lastly, I also want to give an update on Berkshire Hathaway's official 13F filing. With this filing, we get a clear look at everything that Warren Buffett did last quarter, including adding to his portfolio Paramount Plus, Citigroup, Ally Financial, and importantly, we get to see the things that he decided to sell out of. He sold a lot of his store capital. He sold almost entirely out of his Verizon holding. He sold a couple of the big pharma companies, and then he exited Wells Fargo in place for Citigroup. So we'll be going over all of these changes in this episode. Now, welcome back again, everyone. It's been almost a week since my previous upload, and the portfolio hasn't done too much over the past week. In fact, it's basically flat. It's up 0.4%, but it's actually been a very volatile week. There's been $10,000 plus swings over that timeline. So we're weathering some volatility. Overall, the market continues to go down. In the one-week view, we're up 0.43%. That's okay. In the one-month view, we're down 8%. So we're still down big over the previous month. But regardless, that's not really what I focus on. And I know that this is a little bit different. Everyone is focused in a bear market on macroeconomics. Everyone becomes experts on upcoming recessions, inflation, food prices, commodity prices. Everyone's focused on issues in China. What I'm focused on and what I continually focus on is the businesses that I own, their actual fundamentals, their quality of earnings, and their future growth prospects. Even putting aside how terrible this bear market has been, every single company in my portfolio that is a dividend payer has continued to pay dividends as scheduled. They're still continuing to provide me passive income. We have JP Morgan paying $150. We have Apple paying me $77. Costco's paying me $64. Costco at some point in time in the future will likely disclose that they're going to do a special dividend because they're simply too cash flow positive. This stream of passive dividend income is something that I've tracked for over the past three years. I built it up from zero to now averaging around $600 a month. So what I've built over this entire time period is a portfolio with the economic power to produce $600 in excess cash directly deposited in my bank every single month. That money ends up right here under the cash balance where it says buying power. And then I routinely every month deploy that cash back into companies that will provide even greater dividend income. Some of the companies that I'm buying right now are different restaurants. Starbucks is one of them that I think is undervalued. I've lost some capital appreciation on this company, but I continue to dollar cost average into it. This is a free cash flow positive company that is growing at a pretty decent rate that also pays a 2.59% dividend yield. So that's basically the strategy building up a passive stream of dividend income by buying these companies over and over and over again, come good or bad. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Now this week in particular, there's a special group of companies that are getting a lot of attention. They're in the consumer category, and it's the retailers. A lot of retailers are reporting earnings this week, and retailers are often spoken of to be indicative of the broader economy. Meaning that if companies like Home Depot, Costco, Walmart, and Target are posting really poor numbers, that same-store sales are declining and revenues going down, that means that the consumer's not spending as much money going out and buying things which means that we might be headed for the recession. If we have retailers, on the other hand, posting really good numbers, that might indicate that we have higher inflation and the consumer remains strong. So these companies are looked at as indicative of the broader economy. Now, I own Target, Home Depot, and Costco, but we have another huge company that just recently reported earnings, which is Walmart. Walmart earnings are dented by food inflation and staffing costs. After the earnings, the company's down 9.68%. And the big news here is that the earnings per share was 1.3 versus 1.48. So they missed pretty big on their earnings per share. They also missed on their revenue, 141.5 billion versus 138. So both the top line and bottom line miss. Now, I want to actually dive in a little bit deeper at Walmart's earnings report because I think there's some things we can learn from it. First of all, they have at the first page some of the major highlights of the company. The one that stood out to me the most was the enormous slowdown in e-commerce growth. E-commerce, their online efforts, was 1% growth year over year. Now, they include in here a two-year rolling basis, which was 38%. So they're trying to normalize the earnings, saying that, You know, the e-commerce was really good last year and it's not growing as much this year. Going down even further to page two, we also see some weakness or at least slowing growth. Revenue grew by 2.4%. That's pretty slow. Even for a company as big as Walmart, 2.4% growth is not something to get excited about. Now, moving on to this next part here, the free cash flow. This part seemed unusually bad. I actually had to take a double take on it to make sure I'm reading it correctly. Because what I'm seeing here is that their operating cash flow was minus 3.8 billion, a change of minus 6.6 billion over the last year. Their capital expenditures grew by almost double, up to 3.5 billion. So they made far less money. In fact, it went into the negative in terms of cash flow, and they had rising expenses, which made their free cash flow minus 7.3 billion. Now, when I bring Walmart up on Qualtrum Insights, which this tool and this website's available to Patreon members, if I look at their history, this is unusual. Every single quarter, they've posted at least some positive free cash flow back to 2017. It's gotten pretty low on some quarters. So we have last year them posting 300 million, but they've never had a negative quarter in the past five years. And this one's minus 7.5 billion. That is a big negative quarter in free cash flow. Now, if we look at their notes and additional commentary on this, they actually mention the decline here. They say the decline is primarily due to an increase in inventory costs and purchases to support strong sales, lowering operating income and the timing of certain payments. So there's not a whole lot of context there, but again, that's not something that I really like to see. Now, side of the free cash flow, which looks really ugly this quarter, uh, they also continue to pay their dividend as per usual, and they did share buybacks, which is something they've continued to do. They bought back 17 million shares last quarter. Now, moving on, we get to their guidance for the next year. They're guiding for revenue growth of 4%. Very slow, but I guess it's okay. At least they're guiding to the positive. Their same-store sales are guiding for 3.5%. They gained 3% same-store sales this quarter, so I think that seems okay. We have EPS growth that they're decreasing their guidance by 1%. So now they're guiding to grow their earnings per share by 4 to 5%. 
which is very slow earnings per share growth. Now let's go ahead and compare that earnings report and their future guidance to their current valuation. Right now, Walmart trades at a 21.8 Ford PE. That to me seems a little expensive. That's quite a high PE for a company that's a retailer that's growing its online sales by 1% last quarter, that's free cash flow negative this quarter, and is moving their guidance down to 4 to 5% earnings growth. You're paying a 22 Ford PE ratio. That right there just looks expensive. The enterprise value at EBITDA is 14.32. That's not exactly cheap for this company. So just based off of the two most fundamental valuation metrics, Walmart does not look cheap based off of their incredibly slow future guidance. So this isn't really shocking to me that the company's selling off right now. This 11 to 12% sell-off, I don't think it should be too unexpected. So ultimately, Walmart is a slow-growing company. It grows pretty consistently with the economy year over year. The same store sales will probably continue to grow at 3%, but costs are rising, inflation is taking its toll, and this latest quarter, if we look at the latest quarter here, the worst free cash flow quarter they've had in recent history. Now that probably will improve. You can see that these free cash flow quarters can move into the positive, but that free cash flow hit I think is also another negative to factor in. Overall, I don't think that Walmart's the worst buy in the market, but right now it's not really tempting me. This isn't something where I want to go in and buy the dip. Now next up we have Home Depot, which also reported today. I currently have $9,600 in value in this company a gain of $1,574 currently. The headline news is that Home Depot raises its full year outlook as shoppers trade up to premium products and fuel record Q1 sales. We can look at the analyst expectations. Earnings per share for Home Depot came in at $4.09 versus $3.68 expected. So they absolutely crushed their EPS. The revenue was also a large beat, $38.9 billion versus $36.7 expected. So they beat on the top line and the bottom line. That's good news. Now, I did the same thing and annotated some of the details on Home Depot's earnings report. Right here at the beginning, they say that comparable same-store sales for the first quarter in 2022 increased to 2.2%. So they grew same-store sales 2.2%. And I think anything in the positive for them was good because they're going against very tough comparable sales being one of the biggest pandemic winners. So 2.2 same store sales is not anything crazy, but investors are just hoping that they don't have a decline in same store sales. So 2.2 overall is slow, but good. Now they also give guidance here and overall, they're guiding for a slowdown. 3% same store sales growth and 3% total sales growth. 3% is slow growth, even for a company like Home Depot. Then they also guide diluted earnings per share percent growth to be mid single digits. So maybe 5% earnings growth is what they're guiding over the next year, which again is slow. They're guiding for slow revenue growth and slow earnings growth. Now we can look at some of the more details here on Home Depot. This quarter, their net sales grew by 3.8%. That was slow. Their cost of sales grew by a quicker pace, which isn't a good thing. But overall, you're seeing the theme here. Home Depot's growth has slowed substantially. Now, another thing that's slowing for Home Depot is their share buybacks. You can see over the course of an entire year, they went from $1.075 billion to $1.034. But just from most recent quarter, they went from $1.035 to $1.034. That is a big deceleration and the level of buybacks they're doing. So that's also a slowdown in the amount of money they're returning to shareholders. Now we can take a look at the balance sheet of Home Depot. Another thing I'd point out is they gained $500 million in cash, 
So they went from 2.3 billion to 2.8. That's a good thing. Now the bad news is, is although they gained $500 million in cash, they also gained $3 billion of debt, not over the entire year, but just from last quarter. This changed from $36.6 billion to $39.1. That's in one quarter. Over the full year, it's from 34 to 39. So Home Depot put on another $3 billion of debt just this last quarter. Now, one important note on breaking down this debt is any type of retailer that has a lot of leases, they have a lot of locations, they usually break out from their long-term debt their capital operating lease liabilities. So that's not really debt per se, that is obligations they have for the leases for their location. And I personally think that should be put in a different category. So on Qualtrum Insights, for example, I take out those capital leases, but even outside of that, last quarter, Home Depot had 36.4 billion, now that's gone to 39 billion. So when this data updates, Qualtrum's gonna show them having $39 billion of debt, which is a lot of debt. Now, the last thing that I'd point out is on the cash flow statement. Just a simple observation here. Home Depot did increase the amount of dividends they're paying by 10%, which seems good, a 10% raise, but at the rate that they're growing, they're not gonna be able to maintain growing their dividend by 10% year over year unless their earnings accelerate faster than they are. Right now, Home Depot has a 2.57% yield, which is a nice healthy yield, their payout ratio is 44%, a little higher than their historical payout ratio, but it still looks okay. A payout ratio of above 40 is a little bit on the high end though. Most companies I invest in, I want that payout ratio to be below 40%. So look, Home Depot is a company overall that is guiding for 3% same-store sales growth, 5% earnings growth. So very slow EPS growth that's below the market's average. Most companies grow earnings a little bit faster than that. So Home Depot's guiding for this very slow growth. And in the meanwhile, they're stacking on billions of dollars of debt seemingly every single quarter. You can see the trend here. Now in terms of valuation, the PE ratio for Home Depot is 18.48. That's a little bit above the S&P 500. It's lower than Walmart but I still don't consider this to be a very cheap company based off of its growth rate. It's trading at an enterprise value to EBITDA of 13.4. That is kind of expensive. It's on the higher end for a company expected to grow earnings by 5% and have very slow same-store sales growth and a company that's stacking on more debt. I see a lot of things slowing down for Home Depot, but the valuation still doesn't reflect that fully. And I think it's telling that even though Home Depot beat on their earnings and their revenue estimates by a wide margin, the company's only up 1.45%. So barely even a pop when you factor in that the rest of the market's in the green right now. Basically, Home Depot had to beat its earnings by a huge margin just to keep up with the rest of the market. So overall, even though companies like Home Depot and Walmart are down pretty big year to date, Walmart's down 9.3%, Home Depot's down 26%, I don't consider either of these to be stills or situations where I would go out and buy the dip aggressively. I think both of them are going through a lot of troubles. They're both stacking on debt. Walmart had a hugely negative free cash flow quarter. Home Depot stacked on $3 billion of debt in the quarter. They're both guiding for 4 or 5% earnings growth over the next year, and their valuations are still on the high end for retailers. Now, moving on, we have Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway's full 13F statement, which shows all the trades they made last quarter, the official trades. In it, we get a lot of insight into what Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway 
our thinking. First of all, I went through and highlighted some of the most interesting buys here and the most interesting sells. So let's go ahead and go through those. We have HPQ, which is Hewlett Packard. Even though this represents a very small portion of Berkshire, they added to this position. HP is for sure a value company, trades at a very low forward PE ratio, it has very slow revenue growth, but pretty consistent overall. It's free cash flow generative and does share buybacks, and they've been growing their earnings consistently. Now, HP is not a company that really interests me, so I'm not going to be doing much research on this one. It does, however, feel very much like a typical Warren Buffett purchase. We also have Warren Buffett selling out of Wells Fargo completely. So he dumped Wells Fargo, what little amount he had, and then he purchased Citigroup. Citi stock is bumped up 7% after the Buffett bump. And if we look at the valuation here, Citigroup is undoubtedly the cheapest of the big four banks. It trades at a price to book of 0.5. We can compare that to JP Morgan, for example. Even after JP Morgan has traded down substantially from 1.8, it now sits at 1.37. So it's still valued at over double the valuation of Citigroup. So Citigroup by the numbers is very cheap. But overall, it's a less diversified, less insulated bank than one like Bank of America or JP Morgan. That's another one that I probably won't be following him into, but I think it's a decent value play. We also have Paramount Global. He added this one to the portfolio. Paramount Global is the Paramount Plus streaming service. The company's a smaller company, $18 billion market cap, Ford PE ratio of 9.43. So based on future earnings, it has very low expectations baked into it. It has an enterprise value to EBITDA of 5.3. One nine. So it's a very cheap company on paper. It is growing its revenue. It is free cash flow generative. And it does have some dilution, but not enough to be concerned with. Overall, though, I look at this company and I think the biggest bull case for Paramount Plus is to simply be acquired by another company. To have Apple or Amazon or Netflix or Disney, another big company that wants a lot of content could come in and buy this company, and that would give it a little bit of a premium. So I think Warren Buffett is kind of doing this on the possibility of an arbitrage. He's buying a company that's trading at a discount. There's some chance that it will be purchased by another company, and in the process, he could make some money. That would be my guess. After that, we also have a very interesting new addition to the portfolio, Ally Financial. Ally is a company that I've been interested in for a very long time. If I'm going to buy another bank, it'll probably be Ally. Trades at a 5 Ford PE ratio. The price to book is 0.9. So not as cheap as Citi, not as expensive as JP Morgan, but this bank is very well managed and it's running in an incredibly efficient way and it's growing. The revenue growth overall is steady and consistent. Their debt's being reduced over time. They pay a growing dividend and the shares outstanding are declining as they're doing buybacks. This bank currently pays a 3% dividend yield with a 12% payout ratio. So it has a healthy and growing dividend along with doing share buybacks. And I think that when you look over the entire financial metrics of this company, it's a very strong company. Overall, I think it's going to do well. The biggest concern with Ally Financial is if we go into a recession, this bank in particular is very much concentrated into auto loans. But overall, I do like the purchase of Ally Financial. I think it's one of the better ones that he bought this last quarter. Now, if we look at the companies that he sold or reduced, I think it's just as much telling. He sold out of the pharmaceutical companies, so he dumped Avvi and Bristol-Myers Squibb. He also sold out of Wells Fargo, so he replaced that one with Citigroup. And then he also dumped 99.1% of his Verizon stake. And this was a pretty significant stake. This made up 2.28% of Berkshire's portfolio. 
I've called this one for a long time. I think Verizon is a value trap. I think it's mostly a dud. I think it's going to be basically dead or next to dead money for a very long time going forward. And every time I look at the numbers, I come to that same conclusion. It's a cheap company on paper, a 9.4 PE ratio. But what are you getting for that? You're getting almost no revenue growth. Back in 2017, they had 126 billion. Now they have 133. So a couple billion dollars of revenue growth over the course of five years on the size of 130 plus revenue. That is not a lot of revenue growth. So their revenue growth is really almost non-existent. It's really not that meaningful at all. And their debt growth is actually meaningful. In 2019, they had $111 billion of debt. Now they have 150, $150 billion of debt. They're actually growing their debt more consistently than their revenue. This is not something that I want to see with any company that I own. And the amount of debt that Verizon has is just staggering. $150 billion of debt for a company with a $205 billion market cap. So every time I look at Verizon, I just come back to the same conclusion that this is a wide moat company, but it has very little growth, very little earnings growth. It has a very large payout ratio, and it's going to be weighed down by a massive, staggering pile of debt for the long-term future. It's not the type of company that I want to make individual investments into. So if I was a Berkshire shareholder, I'd be happy to see them exit this position. So there's my thoughts on Warren Buffett's changes to the Berkshire Hathaway portfolio. Overall, he still has that massive 43% weighting in Apple alone. And it doesn't look like he's intending to sell this anytime soon because he recently just added a little bit more last quarter. He's, of course, adding still to financials and heavy to oil companies. So Warren Buffett has built out a massive energy business, which he continually adds more and more to. It's a pretty incredible business that Berkshire owns. So that's all for now. Later this week, I'll have more reaction videos on different earnings reports like this one, as well as commentary on different things I'm doing with my portfolio. So if you haven't already, subscribe to the channel and I'll see you next time.